Five Year Mission, the podcast, episode 46. This episode of Five Year Mission, the podcast, is brought to you by Fansets, your home for all things pop culture pin related. Head over to fansets.com and see all that they have to offer. And also stay tuned at the end of the episode for a very special offer from us here at Five Year Mission. Are you going to introduce this? Uh, I am. Let me get a drink first. All right, hit it now. Welcome. Yeah, right. <laughs> Try it again. Welcome. Keep going. I got to go deeper. I can't go any deeper. No, not deeper. Say the rest of the words. Say oh, the rest well, of the words. I, was, I just thought. <laughs> By now you figured out that this is a five-year mission podcast. Welcome to Five Year Mission, the podcast, the only podcast hosted by a band called Five Year Mission. I am one of your hosts, Andy Fark. And yet again, this is like a weird miracle of miracles. We have all five band members here today. What? Got, got Noah Butler. Me. Got Mike Rittenhouse. Me. Got Chris Spurgeon. Me. And we got Patrick O'Connor. Here. <laughs> and your name is? I already said my name. Did you? I think so. People know by now. It's fine. What if they forgot already? Andy Fark here, present. Andy. Andy. Oh, I don't think I, this is. That's not the first time Pee Wee Herman's is going to come up in this podcast either. So <laughs> you watch Ooh. out. Interesting. Thanks. Just you watch out because I got some things going on here. So what uh, are we talking about, Randy? <laughs> what's that zoom participant that keeps getting this audio cut off <laughs> what what are you doing Andy? oh man <laughs> hurts my feelings <sighs> hurts my ears anyway <laughs> tonight we got a little thing going on that uh noah came up with a little podcast idea here so i'm not even going to explain it noah why don't you explain I will. what I, we're doing i came up with a podcast idea can you believe it <gasps> it's like the first time ever i like talking about music because we're musicians and we all love music and what? listen to music so I, anytime we can talk about music i like to do that um <laughs> i in particular wanted to focus on you know, bands that sometimes are 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 not only underrated, but some sometimes they have a a hit single and become a one hit wonder, and that's all they're known for, pretty much. You know, that one song that everybody knows. But I wanted to focus in not only on that that one song, but the album that that one song showed up on, and how the rest of that album is actually really great. And sometimes other songs on that album are actually way better than the song that became uh, famous. That one hit wonder and so so that's that was my idea and i wanted to focus on a band called the vapors uh that had a um number 36 in the in the u.s <laughs> hit so top 40 still made it in the top 40 it's in there in 1980 a song called turning japanese it was number three in the uk but it was like 36 i think in in uh in the u.s uh, it's still top 40 because that whole album that that song Turning Japanese showed up on is a fantastic album and one of my favorites. And I got introduced to it uh, when I was in high school. I had a couple of songs that showed up on uh, compilation tapes that, that people had made. Turning Japanese was actually 
not one of the songs that showed up. I knew that song, but it was not one of the ones that showed up on these compilation tapes. So I, I had other songs on there and that sort of got me interested. I eventually bought the cassette tape from, um, what's one of those old, um, like early nineties, uh, music stores in the Sam mall. Sam Goody, Camelot, -E, Camelot. 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 It was, nope, it was Camelot. That was the one I was thinking of. <laughs> bought the Tony model. Yep. Bought the cassette tape from Camelot. It came in that big plastic thing to keep you from stealing it. You know, the really oh, long, yeah. long oh, yeah. thing that just had the little tape on one end and a big plastic thing on the other. <laughs> and and I listened to that to to that album that Turning Japanese was on. It, the album's called Nuclear Days. And I listened to that album to death and loved it, loved it, loved it. So that's the album I want to talk about. I want to focus on a couple of songs off that album, but mainly want to talk about that album, how it's really great, even though they're only known for that one song, Turning Japanese. Yeah. Off, right off the top, can we address how problematic this song has become in the past, <laughs> yeah. the past like 20 or so years? <laughs> yes, we can talk about that. But I also... Like if you dig a little deeper on the album. Oh, I did. I don't. There are some other problematic things, but yeah. uh, but but like there is a thematic thing, though, yeah. that kind of happens over the course of the whole album. And and I, I sort of feel like it's a little bit forgiven because of the theme, the time and everything. And and, yeah. And um, but yeah, yeah, it's, there's that's yeah, because the, the entry that I read was that the song was based off of a. Uh, uh, the loss of love and starting to feel like uh, st like a stranger in a strange land, like a foreigner. So oh, so the, so they chose Japanese to I go along that. with it. Well, see, that's where like because there's another, and I want to like I, I want to talk about this song, even though I didn't even include it on my list. But there's <laughs> another song on this album called Let, um, "Letter from Hero." Yeah, and it's it is kind of a song about like an American and a Japanese kids pen pals basically mm -hmm. and kind of how like leading up to world war ii and sort of like the weirdness that that would occur between maybe two people who were friends leading up to world war ii mm -hmm. um and so like there's all they're like it's a very it's my favorite it's my absolute favorite song on the album and i didn't put it on my list <laughs> because it's like seven minutes long or something and 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 i and there were some other things i wanted to highlight with the other yeah. songs so this kind of seven minute epic thing, song on this is, is my favorite song off the album, but I didn't actually even include it on the list. But, but still it, it, has, it has those like weird World War II, Cold War vibe, mm -hmm. lyric things to it that like makes me think that maybe Turning Japanese, the single, the, wasn't quite so well, problematic, a, but I don't Turning know. Japanese wasn't as literal as that, though. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, it wasn't. And and also, and also still not, not nearly as problematic as uh, Far Away by Weezer. Right. right. <laughs> True. But actually, I read that Turning Japanese, a lot of people thought it was like about masturbation. That was no, that was like a longstanding theory of like what that song was about. Weird. But the lead singer writer, David Fenton, he dispelled that and he was like, yeah. no, absolutely not. This is, this is not our blister in the sun. Yeah, it's not our blister. But he was like, actually, I kind of wish that theory had been pushed earlier. It's like, maybe it would have sold more. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, could just, you could just leave the, the 80s masturbation songs to uh, Cindy Lauper. So that's right. She was on the nose. With yeah. that. <laughs> so anyway, this album 
that Turning Japanese was on. It's called Nuclear Days. And I love it. And I'll, I'll tell you why I love it. The, the whole album is just like every riff is infectious. So many hooks. It's so catchy. It's, it's fairly high energy. They slow it down a couple of times, but even on the couple of times, it's, it's, it's a pretty nice slowdown. The lyrics are, are sometimes, you know, we, we don't know what the hell he's talking about, but other times like there, there's a lot of social and political commentary, which, you know, and there's a few, you know, I don't know, sort of teenage songs on there as yeah. well, but it's, it's just like the lyrics are good. It just, it just has this energy and I just consumed it when I was like 15. Like I just, I, I loved it, even though I was like a whole generation removed from, yeah. from where it was. It just struck a chord with me. Well, because they, they formed in the, like the late seventies, right? Yeah. Like I think it said 78, 78, 78 through 82, maybe. Yeah. Because um, of their, their first major tour, they were actually op- opening up for the jam, the jam, yeah, which I found it insane yeah i think it was i think i read that the bassist was the basis of jam was who kind of discovered them yeah. and, and got them yep. and then the person who um also produced them vic coppersmith i think he also did production he did some producing for, yeah. for the jam as well yeah a lot of those a lot of those like kind of liverpool bands uh, yeah. around that oxford and everything and i believe they toured i believe they toured with the jam as well they followed them mm-hmm. around at first but they had a relatively short career because they they only put out two albums they put out nuclear days and then they put out another album called magnets just back to back like or almost back back. the one was 80 and the other was 81 mm-hmm. and then they broke up in 82 yeah supposedly from lack of record label um, support they did they did a couple of reunions though too recently I, yeah. I, I hadn't even paid attention to that so like i haven't heard any of that i haven't listened to I, any of that I, lo- I looked up a couple of the videos on youtube yeah and are they, they old, are they old as hell oh god yeah they're old <laughs> yeah. as hell super old so the um so yeah the album is, is called nuclear days and that's kind of a play on word for nuclear days and the whole album is just thick with this like cold war nuclear weird world war two just weird it just yeah. that kind of stuff and and even the cover of the album is like this newscaster and he's like has like a oh, map map, the map map of england and it's got like a, a like a little mushroom cloud over one part and mm-hmm. it's got a little nuclear fallout symbol over another part so it's just it's just thick with this weird dystopian like, energy dystopian cold war stuff um, and well, some, I mean, with the with the one of the songs that you chose to to put on the playlist that we're including in the show notes here, uh, "Bunkers." Mm-hmm. I mean, that definitely hits home. That's that was actually the my favorite out of the four that yeah, you sent. Yeah, and that's why I put that on there instead of like "Letter to Hero," which is actually my favorite. But yeah. I knew like "Bunkers" was just like a great kind of dark and very just that, Clash-esque class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I'm sure Mike was a huge fan of. <laughs> I didn't hear anything that sounded like Clash. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was very like it was like a pop, more poppy version of like like a like something that would have been on like London Calling with a way more production. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's see. I did. I have listened to the album that follows it, Magnets, and it's not as good. No. It really, is not as good. It has some good songs on it, but like over, two or three, two or three. But overall, it's it's not that good. And and so I don't I don't know what happened. <laughs> first album was sophomore dinks. Sophomore. Yep. yep. Yeah. Sophomore slump. Um, and then they broke up in 82. So that was that was the end. So I would encourage everyone to go listen to this album. I love this album. I chose three songs specifically to sort of showcase. Um, and I'll talk about them very briefly. The The first song, I think, and he's going to check the list and make sure I'm going in the right order, is um, 
besides turning Japanese, which most people should know. Yeah. Um, it, except, except I'm going to say one thing about turning Japanese <laughs> that I remember. My mom said <laughs> that on General Hospital, uh-huh. there was a character uh, who was like a drug addict. And so every time he would go and get high on the show, they would play turning Japanese. What? Yeah. That, that was like the music that they would play for his like dark descent into like <laughs> drug addled madness. Yeah. Cause when I think of drug addled madness, I think of turning Japanese. <laughs> apparently, I guess. <laughs> Not about masturbation. It's apparently about drug, but drugs. Drug, yeah. drugs. But also on General Hospital at that almost same exact time was who? Anybody? Rick Springfield. Rick Spring, Rick <laughs> Springfield. Who? On some other podcast, if we can do like uh, our favorite albums, that working class dog album is like my is like one of my favorite albums. So we'll we can talk we about that later. Yes, everybody knows. <laughs> everybody. Um, <laughs> so moving moving on from turning Japanese, the next one was Spring Collection. Um, I love that song. It's got those like is it 30 second is that is that what i'm the, is that the right number 30 second notes on the hi-hat that i oh, love so much yeah yeah um, i know yeah. <laughs> just just <laughs> kicks in waiting and... just wait until year five i gotta do a bunch of those <laughs> yeah maybe i have to, I have to remember the, i keep changing my demos the galileo seven hi-hat yeah 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 except faster yeah um i love this song even though it's also problematic but um <laughs> i love it just because he's it's, it's a very cynical song and he's like He's kind of into this girl, but she's just like such a scenester and she just does all her, you know, like does all the scenester things that that people do and dress in this way. Like it's it's kind of weird because this is like a kind of a post-punk band, but like yeah. they have this still this kind of punk energy, mm-hmm. but he's just like dogging on this girl the whole time about like how she dresses, how she looks, how she, you know, Ugh. but it's, you know, that she's if just you would like, just little, change this thing about you, you'd yeah. be perfect. Well, he, God. he, he does this whole thing. This like whole <laughs> list of like, don't like your hair dyed blue. Don't like your plastic shoes. Don't like your damn new rose. Don't like your casual boat. Like he just like, he's he, nagging her. He is, <laughs> but he's still sort of like, but I still kind of like you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird creepy. dynamic. Creepy. Um, it's creepy. Cause he does say she, that her, her uh, something in day glow tears all hide your 16 years Ooh! So like, but i don't know how old he was when he wrote the song so, i missed that right. <laughs> yeah no i know I'd, it's in my head i know that song Oof. um but i don't again i don't maybe he wrote it when he was 17 so yeah, possibly kind of possible but i love that song it's a great song um the next one is news at 10 and that was probably the second song i ever heard by by the vapors and it it really struck a chord with me it's about like um it's got about like a generational disconnect like between he and his dad Mm -hmm. um and just just that kind of generation gap it's just and even at the time even though i couldn't quite connect to his specific lyrics on it i was a teenager and i could kind of you know i had that same thing like man you dad parents just don't understand you know especially (laughs) my dad um but it's 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 just got that really great like this little guitar lick that comes in at the beginning this mm. like very sharp cutting guitar lick which i tried to learn on guitar so many times and i could just never ever ever figure it out and never never do it like that sounds on the album it's all pedals um i don't know i think it's just better guitar players actually <laughs> uh, but it's it's like i just i love that riff and the song is just 
great and it's super catchy, but and it's, it's 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 great. And then I think the last one is Bunkers, which which I already touched on. Andy yeah. already touched on. Kind of I kind of interpret it as like someone who's like there was a lot of bad politics and bad societal things in the late seventies and eighties in, in mm-hmm. England. Um, and it just feels like somebody who's, who's like trapped in, in like a crappy part of the city mm-hmm. going nowhere, can't get out, can't, can't no social upward mobility because of all politics and things like that. And yeah. It just sounds like, you know, this is like his life and he just feels like he's living in a bunker, which um, was pretty much all of England in like the it, late yeah, mid yeah. mid seventies through like the mid eighties, yeah. really. It's just did, did, like seeing footage of just places in England, yeah. not besides like downtown London, where it looked like, still looked like war zones. And he specifically mentioned like rolling tires that were on fire or something mm-hmm. like that. And like, you know, gangs of street oh, wow. kids and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. it's, and it's just got that, that drum beat that just never stops. It's just mm-hmm. like that really great poppy drum beat that just goes through the whole thing and that kind of syncopated guitar. And it's just, it's, it's a really cool song, yeah. um, but all of the songs on the album are awesome. Um, so whoever might be tempted to check it out, go listen to it. Which one was the opening track? Well, it depends on, on, on Spotify. Depends on which. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Spring Collection is the opening track. The opening track. Yeah. Okay. That was not the opening track on the album I listened to, but yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, I, thought, I, thought that, I thought that was pretty yeah, Spring pretty Spring good. Collection is a great song. It kicked off the album really mm-hmm. good. Maybe you want to listen to the whole thing. Patrick? I was just going to say that I was shocked how solid these songs are. I've been, uh, you know, into the early Elvis, XTC, Joe Jackson vibe, and it kind of fits right in there. And I had never heard this album before. I thought that uh, Spring Collection and News at 10 might be better. Yeah, I think Spring Collection and News at 10 are probably catchier songs Japanese, actually. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, I'd, ne- I'd never heard the album until Noah had talked about it. I don't know. It was probably a couple of years ago he was talking about it and I, you know, checked it out and I, I just, I was really surprised. I didn't, well, I wasn't that surprised because I know Noah generally has pretty good taste in music, but yeah, I really, enjoy, I really enjoy this album quite a bit. Next. Oh, I didn't know if you had, any, I didn't know if you had any thoughts or not. Uh, I'll give you Mike's thoughts. Mike texted me and said, I listened to the nuclear days. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> Probably pretty much the inflection that he was using too. That's that pretty good, man. I'll try to find his actual I, text. I let it play to the end. <laughs> <laughs> good job, Mike. Oh, there it is. He said, I listened to that whole Vapors album, Killer. <laughs> He's a man of few words, Mike. He spelled Vapors with an ER. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that was autocorrect. Probably. To, Correcting it to the wrong spell. I, I was probably using <laughs> voice to text. Oh, that makes total sense then. Probably. You don't remember? <laughs> that was a couple of days ago. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like a couple hours ago. <laughs> no. Just cramming last minute for the podcast. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going in alphabetical order, band name wise. I think also uh, if if I'm if I'm correct, we're going in chronological order of release of album. Ooh. By coincidence? By coincidence. I Interesting. I think we might be really? actually. Yeah. Weird. Huh. I think think that is about how that worked out. I think with the exception of the last two. Are they reversed? I think so. I think. Ah. Maybe. <laughs> 
Mike's you guys always ruin everything. Mike's, Mike's <laughs> secondary plan isn't quite working out. But fine, I quit. <laughs> no, uh, you still got to sit out and talk talk about that song from The Office. Was it, it was it in The Office? Oh God, it was an iconic episode and was one of was one of the best cold opens of The Office. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll cover it yeah, when yeah, we get yeah, to yeah. your section. <laughs> I, I remember that. I believe just watching the office. Okay. I, I remember that. So, Andy, what's yours? Mine is probably the most cop out choice of uh, these one hit wonders, considering the they really did actually only have one hit, two. But I'll get into that. The band I chose was Devo. Who? Devo. <laughs> Yay. D E V O. Not striking any any. Uh bells here with the, the name by itself what's the song they wear those flower pot hats aka <laughs> <laughs> aka energy oh. dumps oh devo 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 yes it's pronounced devo mike a lot of people i know are gonna know who exactly who devo is and actually i caught crap from my girlfriend last night going i'm gonna tear your pick apart because that is the laziest pick you could have done <laughs> And I was like, not true, because they deserve way more credit than they do, even though they still are around and they still are putting out new music. But they everyone knows them for Whip It, which is that which is the first song uh, that we're going to cover off of the album Freedom of Choice. Can I ask what which what album is that of theirs? Like Freedom of Choice. I know. But like what in the order of their releases? (laughs) Oh, it's the oh, it's their it's their their, uh, second album. It's only their second album. Yeah. Okay. because for some reason I thought maybe it was it was even later than this. No, because it was a it was a are we not men? We are Devo. Have that album. And then Freedom of Choice. But I don't have Freedom of Choice. Yeah. For Freedom of Choice is probably my favorite album of theirs anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. outside of Are We Not Men, because I had the very early stuff. But yeah. Devo was so ahead of their time, like nobody else was doing anything like they were with like the synthesizers and everything like their their only predecessors to stuff like they were doing would have been like craft work, which was like work. Yeah, craft work was way ahead of their time. I don't even know what time travel machine craft work came from. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, but same thing with Devo. I mean, especially for uh, for like. (laughs) <laughs> four dudes from ohio yep. like in the middle of nowhere and like um they formed like pretty much around like the the old like the kent state riots and they were just wanted to be like an art band they formed they got a couple singles out there the early one was like mongoloid and then like jocko yep. jocko homo but then are those uh, problematic jocko homo the title is but the <laughs> the the subject matter is not. What about mongoloid? Mongoloid slightly, yes. Slightly problematic. Yes. <laughs> Sounds but a little problem. Slightly, yes. But that's not. That's why we are not covering that one. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the the when they first got signed, their big champions to get them signed were David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Wow. Like they they happened to hear them while they were on some like midwest leg of their tour that they were doing like iggy for the idiot and bowie i can't remember which album he was supporting but yeah they wanted up getting them signed put out a couple singles and it caught on uh, neil young became a real big fan early on and like recruited them to be in like one of his like home videos that he put out and like they had him uh they they, they he like gave devo free reign of like what they wanted to do with his home video and it just made it super weird look it up just 
look up Neil Young and Devo and I, you'll I see had, some I of the weirdest no things. No idea that Neil Young yeah. <laughs> connected to Devo in any way. It's the oddest thing. Look it up. <laughs> it's the weirdest, weirdest like seven minutes you'll ever see. I, I've seen it. Yeah. There's no coming back. <laughs> yeah. Once you Don't see, make you the can... same mistakes we have made. Learn from them. <laughs> <laughs> Learn from us. But yeah, when uh when they released Freedom of Choice, the obvious one that the label wanted to put out as a single was Whip It, because it's just super duper catchy. And if you had MTV back in the day, I mean, you could not go a day without seeing that video at least three times, probably. <laughs> Yeah, because it was all over the place. I mean, you can still, I mean, all I have to do is say whip it to anybody that watched MDV in the early days, and they can immediately picture that video in their head. Crack that whip. Yeah. Yeah. Getting the, the, the lady with getting the cigarette whipped out of her mouth and the weird lady with the pies and everything. And it's just, just weird, weird, weird. It also, I knew it. It also coincided with, uh, sorry, it also coincided with, um, early days of mtv so they were looking for content Mm -hmm. and they totally capitalized on that (laughs) oh absolutely i mean the the, the mtv was the reason that that whole album was a success to begin with yes i mean that's the reason they got to go on these crazy tours and how they just became like a household name and became just immediately iconic but because i mean just look at them the big yellow nuclear fallout suits the red energy dome hats And just, they were all a bunch of nerds. And then they capitalized on that and like they started blowing up and then like Revenge of the Revenge of the Nerds movie came calling and they were on the soundtrack there and they (laughs) emulated them in the movie and like they showed up everywhere. Like as a matter of fact, the only other single that charted for them like anywhere in like the top 50 was the theme from Dr. Detroit. Dr. Yeah. See, I don't even remember that song. Yeah, I'm not surprised Detroit. Mike knows it, but I Yeah, I don't the know. weird Dan Aykroyd movie that's horrible. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I was just thinking about that movie the other day. <laughs> yeah. Of course you were. Yeah, this uh this album was released in 1980 and Whip It's not even the best song on the album like oh, easily. I'm sure it's not. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I mean the 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 other 3 that I included on my list, Girl You Want is just one of the best songs on that entire album, if not the best song on that album. It has been covered multiple times. Soundgarden covered it, which was real weird. Yeah, that's pretty, and then, yeah. That's pretty weird. Yeah, and then as a, as a tribute to Soundgarden at live shows now and then, Pearl Jam busts it out as a cover. <laughs> which wow. Is, yeah, so it's, it's crazy like how far and like so many different bands have been influenced by Devo and you can't really hear it in their sound, but the, like, they're the first ones to show up at like a live Devo concert standing on the side of the stage and then they'll come out and do guest vocals. It's this, the weirdest, weirdest thing in yeah. the world. Yeah. Girl You Want is just a fantastic song. I mean, it's repetitive, it's catchy and it's the, the beat is fan phenomenal gates of steel is the third one that i chose and it's just a super empowering song it's not the most devo-esque song on the album it's like a lot less synth except for like in between like the verse and choruses is like a pre-chorus outro chorus and everything and then uh f- the title track freedom of choice you've probably heard 
a million times in commercials, on soundtracks, things like that. It's a great way. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's one of the best title tracks that I've, I can remember like in any album that I own. It's like the, you want the title track to be something memorable. Freedom of Choice yeah. is that track. I know on their first album, we going back and saying how like the, the um, was it Gates of Gates of Steel mm-hmm. is doesn't have as much synth. Yeah, and I feel like if, if memory serves me right, because I have the album, but I haven't listened to it in a long time. Like that, their first album, I feel like isn't as heavy on synth. It's like I feel like yeah, it's a little bit more guitar driven. I mean, it's sparse mm-hmm. and and weird, like like their usual stuff. They were they were using heavy. They were using the Moogs for like a little more of like an atmosphere than yeah. they were as an instrument yeah. than anything yeah. else on that first album. Which actually, that's another thing. Uh, later on in life, they actually. Uh, were the first inductees into the Moog Museum. Oh, really? Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> huh. uh, but yeah, the, the, the I just they're, they're obviously they're still going. Uh, they have the same touring lineup minus one of the Bobs because he passed away a few years ago, and the original drummer hasn't hasn't been with the band forever. But currently, the touring and studio drummer is Josh Freeze which uh, I used to listen to him in a band in high school called the Vandals, which were like a punk rock band oh, yeah, out, of, yeah, out, of, yeah. out of the Bay Area. And then he's also known for going on tour with like a perfect circle, which is like Maynard from Tool's other band. Yeah. And like he's played with a ton of people. But he's like one of the, with the best drummers in rock and roll. Yeah. But yeah, and like uh, for a couple, a few shows, like a run of shows that they did, uh, Fred Armisen from Saturday Night Live fame in Portlandia, yeah. uh, he, was, he was their touring drummer. And what what was his bit? Was it trench mouth or no? Yeah, it was the trench, trench mouth. mouth. Was that, his, that was his, Fred Armisen's okay. band. Right, yeah, right. but again, yeah, that's that's that. another thing. He showed up in like a weird punk rock band later in life. But his biggest, his most favorite band in the world is, is Devo. Yeah. And he say he said it was like the biggest honor of his life to be able to be able to play with Devo. I'm sure. That's cool. I'm sure. That's yeah. Awesome. But the um, the other way is a lot of people would probably recognize. Anybody from Devo is probably Mark Mothersbaugh, the lead singer and main, main songwriter. Uh, he's done a ton, a ton of composing, put together soundtracks, been music editor and everything like that. But he wrote the theme to Pee Wee's Playhouse. Did he really? Yeah. That's eight. Hey, it's full circle. It's See? Back around. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had no idea. That's great. He also, he also wrote the theme song for Rugrats, the Nickelodeon oh, yeah. cartoon. Uh, yeah, that, but, uh, pretty much right. any Wes Anderson movie that you see, Mark Mother's Balls, the guy behind all that's the music. Right. Really? Um, yeah, that's right. He did. He did. He did. He did all the music for the Lego Movie, and he also did all the music for Thor Ragnarok. Huh? Yeah. So he. Wow. Uh, yes, well, uh, I believe he did the music for Spirit of '76. What's, what's that? <laughs> what's that, Mike? What's Spirit of '76? It's, it's a, a really, really cheesy movie from the '80s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he also did a surf project called the Wipeouters. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. So, which which but, album is Dare to Be Stupid on? <laughs> eh? See, there's a there's another thing right there. Weird Al Yankovic uh, was obviously inspired by Devo, like hardcore. So yeah, that's a, that's another big one. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, good. that's a that's a hell of a segue, Mike. Actually, uh, I don't know if either of them have something to say about Devo, but uh, uh, I will say that uh, I, I listened to the album and was it killer? 
uh it, it was it, it was uh it was killer adjacent <laughs> wow <laughs> no uh no I, I i enjoyed it um i recognize most of the songs i mean I've, yeah i've i've heard them before uh i don't know if i've ever actually listened to the album in its entirety but uh, i enjoyed it yeah i mean De- devo is easily in my top five bands of all time so i mean i it was it was the obvious choice for me i i had i had other possibilities that i was going to go with but I, I love talking about Devo and I think, I think too many people forget about Devo. Well, and I, don't, I don't think that I have listened enough to that second album. Like I had oh, yeah. the first album that I've listened to a lot, but like this, this, like, I don't think I have listened to the second album enough and this yeah. makes me want to go back and, and it's worth to it. it again. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Any thoughts on Devo, Chris? On anything? I, I dig Devo. <laughs> <laughs> He's pulling a microscope. He whips it. Yeah, they're all right. No, I, I like Devo. That's that's all I got. They're they're an institution. What can you say? Exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, there's and they're still going today. And the hell, the last album that that they put out in 2020 is a fantastic album. Like the the initial songs that I chose for this before I I forgot that it was all supposed to be songs from the album that the single came from. I included one of them uh, from the last album, and it's still. Holds up. It's still, it's still amazing, and they're they're still doing the damn thing. They're, I mean, they're they're playing probably in a city like this coming weekend, most likely, I, at a festival, of course. Yeah. So sick of festivals. Yeah. <laughs> but on to a band that is no longer around. Uh, Patrick, you chose a band that I was a little surprised by, and then I listened to the album, and then I was a little surprised by it myself. Huh. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, it's a good thing. It's, 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 a, it's a good thing because I'd never actually say, sat down and really listened to this band before. Okay, well, I chose Fountains of Wayne, formed in 1995 in New York City by Chris Collingwood and Adam Schlesinger. Uh, they took their name, Fountains of Wayne, from an actual fountain store in Wayne, New Jersey, <laughs> which is, uh, it, it was around until I like, think 2009 or something, but uh so they, they did a self-titled album on Atlantic Records, came out in 96. Uh, it was kind of grungy, got a little airplay with uh, Radiation Vibe and um, Sink to the Bottom. Oh, and, really? and then they followed it up with, um, it was basically the two of them on the first album, the two guys that formed the band. And they brought in their touring band to record the follow-up and they had a bigger budget. You know, Atlantic was throwing all the money at them to have a big hit record. They did a great crop of songs, just great power pop record all the way through. They had Red Dra- Dragon Tattoo, fantastic song sounds like a blueprint for what would eventually become their big hit and then that album completely went under the radar and did not sell and they got dropped (laughs) (laughs) ouch so uh yeah so then they uh adam schlesinger you might know is a very accomplished songwriter and he did some Mm -hmm. other things that we'll talk about oh yeah but uh so they basically holed up and just kind of wrote songs for another record uh, and he had a hard time even getting Chris Collingwood to participate because he was so dejected from having been dropped by the label. <laughs> um, and so he funded all the recording sessions himself. You know, they just did it on their own without any backing, you know, um, and went in and just recorded all these random songs that ended up being the album Welcome Interstate Managers that came out in 2003. It was weird because it's some um, Parkway is such a straight sort of record and then Welcome Interstate Managers is kind of all over the place like there's a lot of really mellow and poignant songs that you wouldn't expect from a band like this yeah. um, and, then there's, and then there's also 
the ridiculous, <laughs> you know, power pop <laughs> the songs single. like the, the hit everyone knows, which is Stacy's mom. She's got it going on. <laughs> exactly. This was about the time that the uh, American Pie movies were coming out. And I always wondered if maybe Stifler's mom was a little bit of an inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the song itself, the the lyrics are pretty silly. Um, And, you know, obviously very risque and and problematic (laughs) (laughs) by today's standards. Um, But uh, the hooks are just brimming with hooks, you know, and it's a very... um, well arranged track so many great hooks and harmonies and the moment for me that really hooks me on the album i mean on this particular track is the bridge which i actually pulled out a guitar to double check this it takes it from an e chord it's in an e key at the beginning uh the bridge takes it to c and the rest of the song goes up to c and it just totally adds this extra layer of energy to it it's a really ingenious bridge and uh, hmm. it really ma- just makes the song for me. Like every time I'm, I've heard it a million times, but every time that part of the song comes on, I have to stop and listen to it because I think it's so ingenious. Hmm. Um, and that's Adam Schlesinger's song doctoring is what that yeah. is. Like he's yeah. just, he was just an expert. And I should mention he died in um, March of 2020 from COVID. COVID, yeah. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah. And he was like just a few years older than us. Like he was, mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, but uh, so that song really polarized the band for people because it, it was, you know, it was like, I think it was uh, hit Billboard number 21, I think. So mm-hmm. it was it was up there, you know, I mean, it wasn't as ubiquitous as a lot of, you know, bands. But, yeah, you know, it, it, it was an earworm and it did get played and people probably remembered it more because it was so catchy. And the video. Yeah. And the video was fair. Yeah, and the video. Fair right. <laughs> Um, and actually, I looked this up. Chris Collingwood talked about the song a little bit and he hated it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. read that, too. Yeah. Yeah. He said he thought he, he thought that Adam was too good a songwriter to have that song as his sort of calling card. <laughs> and that being successful on a novelty song meant that you would always be a novelty band to the public. And so oh. he was very he, he said he regretted putting it out as a single and that he um, everybody else knew it was going to be a hit. And so did he. But he was the only one that thought it was a bad thing that it would be a novelty song. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hit. It's a valid concern. Um, and he, yeah. he actually mentioned um, he actually mentioned a song called I-95 and uh, also a song called The Girl I Can't Forget, which is, I would say, probably an even better song than Stacy's Mom and just as catchy. So that for future listening, you know, The Girl I Can't Forget, it's, it's on a B-sides comp. It's just buried and it's so brilliant. But um going down the the list of songs themselves from the album. Um, so I put Stacy's mom on there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put Hey Julie, which was a single in some territories, I believe as well. It was, it's more acoustic, but it's also very catchy. Yeah. Um, and then I put a song called Hackensack on, which is a much more sort of poignant, slow song, which is the type of thing you wouldn't expect from them. And I'd say all, at least a third of the album is sort of that slower, style of music you know mm-hmm. and i like this when it has like a little bit of surfy guitar in it which i really like and it, i noticed with their songwriting because they were kind of a lennon mccartney sort of duo where you never knew who wrote what yeah um but you can kind of tell because chris collingwood was much more into the more mellow stuff um but hackensack is a good example of how they sort of do like the sad sack schlub character who's just trying to get by get through the day 
Um, but they always said these very precise details mixed into the lyrics that makes it seem real, you know, even mm-hmm. if it's just a character song. Yeah. So Hackensack is really good with that. It just, it really does sound like he's singing about somebody he knew in high school and waiting for them to come back to town one day or something. <laughs> um, and then I put uh, Mexican Wine, which was probably the other closest single to Stacy's mom as far as getting some airplay and just a great power pop book. Yeah, that was a, that was the other one that I actually remembered like outside of Stacy's yeah. mom. Like I remember, I was like, okay, I know this song. So for anybody that wants less acoustic-y stuff, you can replace Hey Julie and Hackensack with Little Red Light and uh, Bright Future and Sales <laughs> as oh, more yeah. rocking songs from that album. <laughs> yeah. But none of them, you know, were as instant as Stacy's mom, probably. But I was impressed with how wide a range of music there is on this record. Yeah, yeah. Um, another great one on the album is, um, oh, actually, I could just go down the list and talk about most of the songs, honestly. But Fire <laughs> Island is a very poignant but also funny song. Oh, I was going to say, so Adam's uh, career apart from Fountains of Wayne was probably more what he was known for, uh, having written the song That Thing You Do. Yeah. which, you know, got a Grammy nomination and came out, I believe it came out in between their first and second Fountains of Wayne album. So you would have thought that Utopia Parkway would have benefited a little bit from that, but it yeah. did not happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, okay, so there were over, I think they said there were 300 song submissions to try to find the perfect song for that movie. Um, <laughs> you know, they wanted something that sounded like British Invasion 1964, Beatlesque, you know, yeah. and I feel like that song just nails it. Like it's like, oh yeah, half, yeah. half please please me and half she loves you, and they, he just mm-hmm. got it perfect. So, yeah, I mean, I know that. Yeah, they said there were like three hundred other songwriters that submitted songs for that. I know XTC's Andy Partridge was one of them. Oh wow, so, that ended up being the song. <laughs> and uh, he's done a lot of soundtrack work. He, um, let's see, he did a, a song for the film Music and Lyrics that um, mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant sing, uh, "Way Back into Love." <laughs> Very cheesy pop song, but it's super catchy. Yeah, he also did. Um, now, let's see. He did all of the music for a show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriends, uh, which I believe huh? is like 150 different pieces of music. I haven't seen that show. Oh, it's such a good show. It's awesome. Is it? Watch it, Patrick. It's so good. Okay. Um, and then he was also in a, uh, he had a quote unquote super group called Tinted Windows. Do you guys know them? Uh-uh. Nope. Tinted Windows. Okay. Well, okay. Check it out. He was the bass player. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you had uh, Bunny Carlos from Cheap Trick on drums. Oh, you had James Eha from Smashing Pumpkins on guitar. What? And you had Taylor Hansen from Hansen on lead vocals. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, there's a real thing. <laughs> they had one album. <laughs> what brought them together? Weird. Jeez, <laughs> I have no idea. I, I think amazing. he probably had some songs that he wanted to get out there. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Uh, you know, it, it, they actually sound they sound a lot more normal than you would expect from that lineup. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Uh, but there's some very infectious tunes mixed in there. Um, as far as a personal connection, I just really respect his songwriting and how he can always fit the hooks in there and the harmonies. And mm-hmm. Very. They're sort of deceptively uh, ingenious little sections in the songs. And, you know, the Stacy's mom bridge is the one I mentioned, but uh, all of his songs are kind of like that in one way or another. And I try to do, I try to do a bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, the way the one thing about uh the one you think you missed about Schlesinger's uh other career uh with the songwriting mm-hmm. and movies, uh, he also wrote all the yeah. songs that uh Josie and the Pussycats sing in the Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, yeah, yeah. Movie. I had that I had that down and I totally <laughs> glossed over it. <laughs> oh, and then also and also wait, the one thing you missed in the history of the band was uh Collingwood and Schlesinger actually started out in an in an a cappella group called okay called the Octet. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Very I strange. Did not know that. Yeah. That is strange. <laughs> well, Patrick, the other night, uh, Chris and I were hanging out and um, mm-hmm. we were kind of going through some of the media. Like it, it was a little earlier, I think, before we had all made our final decisions, but we were kind of yeah. trying to go through some of the albums and kind of hanging out and listening to it. And we knew you were doing Founds of Wayne, but we, I couldn't, I don't know if, at that point we knew like which album you were doing and, or what, what yeah. the songs were. And so we put like, I was thinking it was, I mean, I saw Stacy's mom there on the second album and I thought like, well, that must, that must be the one, that must be the one hit wonder. But then I remember, like I remembered seeing a video for a Fountains of Wayne song way back in probably 95 or something um, that yeah. I, I liked, like whatever it was, I was like, Oh, that's a cool, that's a cool song. But I know it was not Stacy's yeah. mom because that's, very easy to to remember like uh, yeah. you, would, you would not forget that yeah so it was something else and and so i was like oh it must be off the first album so we start putting on the first album and then jennifer is like starting to sing along to like mm-hmm. every song that we're playing like we're just letting the first album play and she knows every single song she's singing like oh, yeah. all the lyrics and i think it was maybe this maybe track two on the first album is the one that i remember sing, sing to the bottom yeah, maybe that was the one that had the video. Um, although I think yeah, say, it did. okay, yeah. So that was maybe the one that was etched in my memory. It's very kind of dirgy, right? Like it 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 goes from sort of quiet to like wall of sound yeah. distortion yeah. thing. Yeah. The very grunge, grunge yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. yeah. So that's that's the one I remember. So we we actually listened to that and, and Jennifer knew all of it. And it was just interesting, like because I had never actually listened to that first album. Um so it was kind of, it was fun, fun to do that. There, there's a there's a song on that album actually that I've covered for years. It's uh, another another novelty song, of course. It's "Leave the Biker." <laughs> That's on the first album. We were listening to that, and because we were trying to figure out which which one you would be doing, Patrick, and mm-hmm. we were you know we thought, oh well, this this has to be the one, you know, the earlier one that that uh, there was you know a lesser known hit. Yeah. And then when you said you were doing the one you were doing. Um, uh, the one, what is it? Interstate. Uh, welcome interstate welcome, managers. Yeah. Welcome interstate managers. I, I, I was surprised because Stacy's mom is such, it's kind of a, you know, I mean, it's such a catchy song, but it's kind of, you know, sophomoric really. I mean, it's like <laughs> just, you know, kind of, it's kind of least common denominator kind of, you know, <laughs> it, is. It, definitely it, is. Is. it totally is. But yeah. that being said, I bought that album for that song when it came out <laughs> And mm-hmm. was really surprised by how good the rest of it was. It was because mm-hmm. that song, and actually I remember thinking, man, I'd be pissed if like this was what I wanted for the rest of the album, because it's not like that at all. It's no. not so tongue in cheek and poppy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of a lot more nuance throughout the album, which I found very surprising when I when I first listened to it. Actually, uh, Chris Collingwood on that same interview said the same thing. He said uh, the record was stylistically all over the place and that song didn't fit in and it sounded like a completely different band. <laughs> he, yeah. he hated having it on there. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny cause that, 
I, I remember because I had that album for a long time and, you know, eventually it made its way to the, to, you know, to the giveaway bin. And yeah. that was, that was part of what didn't stick for me as much as because it's, you know, I, I like a varied sound, but I, I prefer a, 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 an album that's really cohesive, you know, like you almost yeah. so, some, sometimes there'll be an album where, you almost feel like you're listening to the same song, you know, for 16 mm-hmm. tracks or whatever, um, yeah. which I, I mean, I don't always like that, but I like that feel of cohesiveness. And this one definitely doesn't have that, but it's got some real gems in it for sure. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> Mike, do you have something to say about Fountains of Wayne? Uh, I had never heard a single song of theirs other than <laughs> Stacy's mom. mom until this past week. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was I was pleasantly surprised for exactly the reason that, that the two of you just said that the, the album has so many different sounds on it, d- different genres and styles. And I mean, there's a couple songs towards the end that that have like an Oasis vibe. And I would not expect that from the band that gave us Stacy's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was pretty good. Maybe even killer. oh and with that uh for patrick's segment it is closing time but speaking of closing time (laughs) that's how you do a damn segue right there (laughs) so mike you are going to be discussing the band famous for the song closing time yes uh the band is semi-sonic or semi-sonic if you're nasty (laughs) And uh, that's good. I mean, everyone's pretty much heard closing time. I mean, it's it's an extremely overplayed song. It's been on a ton of soundtracks. It was in the Uh, office. Yeah, it was in the office, which you just reminded me of. Uh, If you've ever been in a bar. Yeah. Bars play it all the time. You know, it's on the radio all the time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't really need to. I don't think explain to anybody what that song is. I just know that when I hear that song, it is time to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gotta love that shit. But, you know, Semisonic, they they kind of suffer from the same issue that a lot of these bands go through, which is it's like a mega hit and no one ever really listened to anything else they had. Even though they put out singles, none of them hit. They just bought that one single and that was it. Yep. And uh, when, when I first heard that song i mean back when it first came out i mean it wasn't even a hit yet i mean i probably heard it two or three times like on the radio or something and i i really liked it because i mean if if you take a step back and ignore the fact that it's extremely overplayed (laughs) and just kind of listen to it it, it's actually a really good song yeah you know lyrically i mean it's almost poetic in parts I mean, and it's kind of, you know, it has hills and valleys, which I always think, you know, I always appreciate when songs have those. I think the thing that really got me is when I was listening to it and it gets to that part where where the guitar comes in and Mm -hmm. it's it's like, and like, it was just, you know, (laughs) that just grabbed me. I'm like, oh, uh, wait a minute, this band's kind of cool. So wait a second, what did that guitar sound like again, Mike? So uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, I, I heard it a few times. I, I, I liked it enough that I bought the album. Mm. Um, I, I ran out and got the CD and uh, listened to it. And uh, at, that was the first song on the album. 
Wait, closing time starts off the album? Yeah. Yep. Really? Yeah. I guess I guess I didn't even notice that. Yep. Should have been the last. Well, that's terrible. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which uh actually didn't say the name of the album yet. I guess I should say that. Uh yeah. was, uh feeling what is it? Feeling strangely fine. Fine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Wow. <laughs> feeling strangely fine. Yeah. So the name of the album is Feeling Strangely Fine. Uh, anyway, so uh, I listened to the rest of the album after closing time. The next track, which is uh, the the first of the tracks that I um, put on my list. Great song. Uh, yep. Uh, it's um, sing- Singing in in My Sleep. Yep. yep. And um, that song is like way better than Closing Time. <laughs> yep. uh, I mean, not that Closing Time is not a good song, but uh, that song is the, definitely the best song on the album. And that had to get like I recognize that when I was when I was listening to it, I, I recognize that. So like it must have gotten for me to recognize it, like it must have gotten some traction somewhere at some point. I, I because think it, it, it totally registered. Like I knew the song. I think a couple of the tracks did get played like on the radio or you know, they they tried to put them out as singles and maybe for a couple of months you heard them. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, it's not like it ain't no closing time. Yes, yeah, there's no closing time. <laughs> so yeah, that song's really good. And one of the things I really like about it, that I know Noah probably likes, is it does that thing where you have like one instrument that keeps playing like the same three notes, yeah, over and over, but while the other ones are playing like a chord progression, and uh, that's, I, that's my favorite. Yeah, I know. I, I I knew you'd like that. <laughs> uh, the 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 third song on the album, which is not on my list uh also does that and i figured you would like that one too noah yeah we listen um chris and i chris and i listened to that whole album as well and yeah like every song was great it was yeah um another song on my list uh was um i'm drawing blanks andy can you (laughs) (laughs) secret smile secret smile that's the one i was trying to think uh secret smile is like uh, the the first two tracks are, I mean, I'm not, I can't say they're like exactly alike, but they have a similar like upbeat, like driving feel to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secret Smile is like a completely different, like it's laid back. It's kind of a slow ballady song. I mean, great lyrics, great melodies, you know, definitely. I mean, it, it may even be better than Closing Time. Um, yeah, this song was actually, <laughs> was it was actually, was actually also on the soundtrack for Charmed and Dawson's Creek. Which one? The song you're talking oh, about. Oh, Secret right Smile? Now. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it was if it was on Dawson's Creek, then it's gonna <laughs> it's, uh, it's the creek. Sorry, I'm gonna have to withdraw Semisonic from this list. I didn't realize they made it onto Dawson's Creek. Well, and it was it was also in the movie uh, Simply Irresistible. Uh, <laughs> yes, Noah, that is that is the Dawson's Creek. It had, it had Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller in it. <laughs> Uh, I don't oh, know. I saw that not very long ago. Oof. What? Savannah brought that home from like the dollar bin that DVDs. <laughs> and Oof. we watched it. What, what was my fourth son? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Complete, <laughs> completely pleased. Completely pleased, yes. Uh, also, another like completely, see how I did it. Pleased. Uh, a, a completely different style than the, than the other ones. That one's kind of a weird. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I don't even know what kind of style to describe it as. It's just like uh, almost silly, but sincere at the same time. Sure. 
We'll go with that. Sincerely silly. Uh, <laughs> sure. It's, it's, wow. It's com- completely sincerely silly. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So anyway, uh, that that's about all I have to say. I I, I didn't prepare for this, so. Well, the, the <laughs> one of the one of the other songs on this album, uh, "Never You Mind," was also on the soundtrack for the Drew Barrymore movie "Never Been Kissed." Huh. Oh. So they, they were really trying. Nice. They're get, getting their songs yeah. all over yeah. the place. They're getting there. They're 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 A and R guys. were on it. None none of those songs have nearly the amount of plays that uh, "Closing Time" mm-hmm. has. Though I mean, it, it it went platinum in the U.S. and the the U.K., but only gold in Canada. The the album, yeah, yeah. Those Canadians are tough customers. <laughs> well, they also they they also can't afford platinum because it's all it's all going towards healthcare, which I would gladly take yeah. over a platinum. Mm. Me too. <laughs> so, any thoughts on uh, Semisonic, Andy? <laughs> did you listen to the whole album? I did. Yeah. Killer. Killer. Excellent. <laughs> no i was i was actually there was another one that i was i was pleasantly surprised i, I have some thoughts oh okay I, I was going to say that congratulations mike because i've spent the last 20 years trying to never hear closing time again <laughs> and you made it happen <laughs> mission accomplished uh, you know, <laughs> you know I, I think it lacks it lacks the unalloyed lyrical sophistication of a song such as you know stacy's mom but it was pretty good <laughs> no but uh no it, it, the other songs i actually quite liked especially uh singing in my sleep i thought had a great melody to it yeah um but i, I have to say that the name semi-sonic to me reads as not as good as sonic youth but <laughs> yes bitter pretty good <laughs> semi-sonic youth it's like a, a sonic youth tribute hearing closing time again and these other songs i was feeling strangely fine so yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, uh, Mike, you mentioned earlier about Closing Time, something about it being poetic, where I find the lyrics extremely straightforward. <laughs> so, I mean, I think they are poetic in a sense, but at the same time, they, they're, uh, you know, it's, it, it feels like it was written in an afternoon, it, but sure. one of those songs where you write it in an afternoon and it just like, it just pours out of you and it's just this hit, you know? And uh, I remember, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I just really liked the lyric. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Yeah, that's a ex, yeah. That is, there's your poetry right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I I this was another one where I bought the album based off of one song, and was really surprised. You know, I was like, this is really good, and I really like his voice. Uh, I think he's got he just got a good voice, and man, it's very friendly. Sleep. Yeah, it is very friendly and singing it like the beginning, just like those, those first, um, you know, keyboard notes coming in, it just like brings you into that song. And then it just, when it hits the chorus, it's just so powerful. It, and and I, I mean, I liked that album so much that I, when chemistry, their follow-up came out, I bought that and I really enjoyed that one too. That's another one where you can just listen straight through yeah. and it has some great tunes on it. You had something Noah? I, I did. Um, so a coworker of mine at one point when she found out I was in a band, you know, started to chat me up about some music and she had said like, you know, that song closing time by semi sonic. 
<laughs> everybody thinks sure everybody thinks it's about you know being at a bar at 3 a.m. when they close, but really it was about the birth of his son and blah 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 blah. And, and went and tried to like and quoted specific lines from it and like tried to convince me that this was that that the real meaning behind the song was like about being in the hospital and the waiting room thing when the when his son was born or something like that. And I just completely dismissed it and forgot about it and never thought about it again until mm -hmm. this came back up. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I and I and I told you, Mike, to do some research about it, but I don't think you did. I probably. Did no, of course. Are you, are, you, are you sure that they weren't talking about brick? No, that, that's about I, abortion. That's about abortion. <laughs> no, no. But, but, you know, I can see somebody. No. So so I just I just Googled it. I just Googled closing time birth of son. <laughs> and it comes up. <laughs> Closing time by Semisonic is about childbirth, not last call at bar, question mark. Should mm -hmm. I, should I investigate? <laughs> yes. <laughs> should I go on? Jesus. <laughs> okay. You can't, you can't well, leave us hang, right. hanging like that. I just look because, because, you know, this is the research. This is live <laughs> research, folks. In 1998, a song called Closing Time. Man's a trained out, professional. <laughs> as a debut yeah. single from a band called Semisonic. The song featured lyrics ostensibly about a lonely person's experience during last call at a bar. It would be Semisonic's only hit, but what a hit. Closing Time was immediately and permanently the go-to song for the end of the night at bars, weddings, bar mitzvahs, parties, concierts, and Semisonic concerts. But here's the thing. <laughs> no one realized Semisonic had a little bit of that Robert Frost mojo in them. It turns out the entire song was actually a metaphor for childbirth. Semisonic's lead singer, Dan Wilson, explained during a performance at his 25th reunion at Harvard. Harvard? Harvard, really? Millions and millions... Oh, fuck. I just lost it. <laughs> millions and millions of people bought the song and heard the song and, it, and didn't get it. They think it's about being bounced from a bar, but it's about being bounced from the womb. So let's go line by trap. Let's go line by line through closing time and try to interpret it in its alternate con con context. Oh dear God! Uh, <laughs> let's let's before. not and say we never did. Doors equal the vagina. We're off to a smashing start. Closing uh -huh, time. Uh -huh. Turn all the lights on over every boy and every girl. Oh yeah, okay. Boy, girl stuff makes like, more sense now. It's like the nurse. Yeah. I guess this line refers to hospital lights. Unless it's a metaphor on top of a metaphor and is referring to the beginning of human consciousness or something. Can we? All right, I'm not going to read anymore. Can, can we article, find who, who, <laughs> wrote, who wrote this and slap the living crap out of them? But if you want to, all you have to do is, is, is Google closing time, birth of son, and, and you can read the full article and, and interpret for yourself. And you, you see how poetic it really is. Yeah, Mike was right about but Mike, Mike's like, I got to read the rest of this. <laughs> oh, man, making that made me feel like I'm a little bit high, like I've been smoking a little bit of super grass. And speaking oh, of super grass. Oh, what a wow. segue. God segway. damn, I'm good at these. <laughs> Chris, you picked the band Supergrass, who I had yeah. completely forgotten about and loved them. I completely you know what? forgot about Supergrass. You're not the only one. And the reason why I chose this band is they are not, if you live anywhere but the U.S. almost, they're not really a one-hit wonder. No. They, they, are, they are quite popular in the U.K. Very. But in the U.S., I, you know, I come across people all the time. And, you know, we'll get to talking about music and I'll say something about Supergrass and they have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll mention, well, you know, they had this song called All Right 
and it was on the clueless soundtrack and they're like oh yeah yeah i know what that is nobody ever seems to know who they are and so i thought it was high time that they got a little a little exposure on the five year yeah five year mission the podcast (laughs) so i mean patrick mentioned when we were discussing you know what uh artists we were going to do and what songs you know he mentioned that they weren't really you know one hit wonders they didn't you know they they have six albums Mm -hmm. but again i think that they have some really great stuff and really one song that your everyday schmo would know so right you know the they are from the uk i don't you know what I can't remember exactly where they're from. Uh, it doesn't matter. They're from the UK. Yeah, they're from the UK. That's good enough. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, Gads and Rob Coombs. And actually, Rob is his brother and didn't join the band till like 2002, I think. Yeah. And then uh, Mick Quinn and Danny uh, Goffey. And Gaz was the lead vocalist, writes the songs. And he and Danny were actually in a band together when they were 16 and 18. Yeah. called the gen called the jennifer jennifer yeah. I, I, really, I thought that was funny because you know my wife's name is jennifer but then um they met they were uh, gaz was working at some restaurant i think called the harvester mm-hmm. and he met mick and they started playing together and formed theodore supergrass yeah the, the the long name yeah which i thought was great actually um, and what's funny is they had this idea that they were Theodore Supergrass, but they'd have this character yeah. and they wouldn't have to do they wouldn't have to do interviews. They just have questions sent in advance and they'd, they'd animate this little character yeah. <laughs> and answer the questions. But it cost too much money. So they scrapped that whole idea and they dropped the Theodore and just became Supergrass because I, I didn't know any of this. I've been a fan of the band for since their first album. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. And I just think it's really fun to go back and, and find these things out. Mm. They released their first album in 95 and it was called I Should Coco. And that's the album that, that uh, I chose. They were in their early teens at the time and mm-hmm. early 20 or late teens, early 20s. Yeah. And it shows on this album. It's mm-hmm. very there's a lot of raw stuff going on here. There's a lot of uh, you know, based on what they especially based on what they wrote later on some of their later albums, <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of depth to a lot of these lyrics on the surface. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if I can tell you what some of these songs are about. Um <laughs> their first single was was called Caught by the Fuzz, and that's pretty straightforward. It's basically yeah. it was Gaz talking about how he got uh busted by the cops. Um, weed. He had weed, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that one's pretty straightforward. It, but it's funny when you read the lyrics because at first he's like, I, you know, I got caught by the fuzz, and then they take him in and they're trying to figure out, you know, how he got the drugs, and they like call his mom. And at the end of the song, his mom's like, you're going to get it when your dad finds out. You know? Like, you never should have gone out in the first place. It's just, it's just, fun. it's like totally from this 19 year old's point of view or 18, yeah. whatever it was when he wrote it. 18. Yeah. So uh, what I, I really enjoy that perspective, but that, I mean, that song was fairly, it, it did pretty well, but the next song they, they released, which is called man size rooster. Mm-hmm. Which um, I actually actually I didn't choose Cop, Caught by the Fuzz wasn't one of the ones that I chose. Um, yeah. I chose the first song on the album, which is uh, uh, shoot, what is it? Um, I'd like to know. Yeah, I'd like to know that one. 
is is just a fun it's just a fun opener i mean it, it's mm-hmm. just a driving good time and what, what you if you know the song all right all right is very very brit pop i mean oh, it very. is you know it's got like the jangly uh keys and just the fun and you know bouncy song the rest of the album isn't really like that it's more it's almost like a brit punk kind of yeah. pop feel and but the but uh i want to know or i'd like to know is is a really good just you know brings you in but then uh you know man size rooster came out and it hit 20 on the uk charts i think and uh, so i've read through the lyrics and <laughs> what's funny is i have i i couldn't figure out what it was what it was talking about so I looked up, you know, I looked online and I was looking for, um, you know, some kind of interpretation. And this was the funniest one I found. It said, apparently about someone with a massive knob. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently that's what this song is about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And it hit 20 on the UK charts. And then uh, the next one, that came, Lenny was their third single, which is one of the ones I chose. And that's just another just fun, you know, the lyrics aren't real deep. It's just, there's a lot of repetition in the lyrics, but it's just fun to listen to. And then All mm-hmm. Right was their fourth single, which was the one that really hit. It was on the Clueless soundtrack. And I feel like Supergrass is one of those bands, you know, I feel like like in the mid to late 90s, you had like this glut of bands that you that you knew one song from and you just never heard anything else from them ever again. And they, you know, they yeah. showed up on, on soundtracks like Clueless or, or Empire Records or mm-hmm. uh, you know so, something you know um well uh can't hardly wait you know all these teen movies where they had all this popular music of the time yeah but then you never heard of hear, hear of them again but i really think supergrass kind of rises above a, a lot of that ilk at the time and this album is just one that you can just listen straight through and it's just except you know all right again is more of a kind of has a lot more of a pop bend than anything else in the album Mm -hmm. but it's it's got a real good feel all the way through it's just it's just a good album and i love it's actually not even my favorite album of theirs uh i'm a big fan of of the eponymous album supergrass from 99 but really yeah any other i mean that one has like moving and pumping on the radio you know oh (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah they broke up in two yeah, and they broke up in two thousand nine, but I think they're touring again. Yeah, now. they were they, they they had they had the they did their UK tour and then like uh like Denmark and Finland yeah. and a few other places, but they but then the pandemic hit and they had to they had to cancel the US leg. Yeah, and and they have they have an album called Life on Other Planets from two thousand two, but I I think which which they, I, I I saw them on, on that tour at Birdies. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that's that's the live album, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then the the last album they put out in 2008 is called Diamond Hoo Ha, mm-hmm. with with the single Diamond Hoo Ha Man, yep. and it just man these uh, one thing one if if you can't say anything else about Supergrass they they have some swagger some well, serious swagger well off the, off that that last album that they put out that uh, that's the song Rough Knuckles is just yeah a, a banger and weird and it kind of makes you cringe a little bit but it's awesome yeah yeah and i just i mean i just love supergrass i think they're so great i would love you know again i they started touring again i would love to see them in in, in concert 
Yeah. But um, I should Coco, and I don't know. I have no idea where that album name com- came from. It's a, um, it's, you know, it, it's a, it's, 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 it's British slang for, for, uh, for, uh, I, I think I should leave. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I like it. I yeah. like it even more now. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I just, I just think these guys are great. And from you know the mid '90s, where there was a whole lot of grunge going on, and a lot of you know heavier stuff, and these guys come out and just you know rock it out and and make it fun mm-hmm. especially for a three-piece band yeah yeah exactly and they i mean they rob gaz's brother joined later uh for life on a, around life on other planets when they were mm-hmm. touring then on keys and i'm guessing my guess would be that he came in on keys and then just stayed you know yeah. to play, came in on keys for to play live but originally it was just yeah it was just the three piece and their their videos are fun too no i'm sure i'm sure you have you have some, some thoughts on supergrass i do when chris was originally talking about this and i think i even looked it up and i i know so know patrick talked about this that like i don't think they had like they were really big in england like their mm-hmm. big one hit wonder was in the uk but i don't think they had a big you know i don't think they have a, a chart topping thing here in the u.s Outside of all right, yeah. How well, and I don't even know if all did all right. Like, well, but, but I, I specifically remember uh, pumping on the stereo was pretty big here because I, I can still even picture the video for well, it. Like, I feel like, like as soon as he played the song, I knew it, and I yeah. don't know how I knew it because I've never owned it, I've never, like, I don't know, but like, I immediately knew it and I knew the name, like, yeah. I knew the name Supergrass, like, that name was all over the place at mm-hmm. one point in my life. And I, but I never listened to them. Like I never, I, 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 I don't know why. I, mean, I just, maybe I just dismissed them. I was like, oh, there's that's Ugh, that's Brit some kind of hippie band or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, look at their haircuts. Yeah, but I, I don't even know what they look like. I think I just knew the name, and that's it. But I knew <laughs> the name, so somehow the name was like popular enough that like yeah. it, it permeated whatever I, you know. And I was, mm-hmm. I was staying underground on a lot of stuff. So yeah. like for that to like be in my brain. And then to actually know the song once I heard it, mm-hmm. it was weird, you know. It was on it was on like a lot of soundtracks and like I think it was in a few commercials and stuff too. So it was kind of that that pumping on the stereo was like all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it, it it was, but like I don't. It's just weird that it doesn't coincide with a U.S. chart, you know. Pumping on the stereo had um, a very very Muppet. psychedelic video. It was yeah. like Muppets, um, but it wasn't Muppets, but it had yes. big puppet things. And yeah. it was so cool mm-hmm. because they had these puppeteers that were, that were, you know, puppeting these giant creatures that were the band. And it was just really neat. Right. I remember seeing that for the first time and thinking, this is just blowing my mind. This is so cool. <laughs> I, I really thought that was their big song. Cause that was the one that got mm-hmm. me into them really. But I remembered that video. I only saw the video, I think once or twice, but it, you don't forget it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. And, and, they don't um i don't think they ever charted in the u.s no as as far as i could as far as i could find i don't think they ever did so they were real i mean they they had all right reached number two on the on the uk charts and it stayed there for like six weeks i think but it they just never were able to crack the the charts um in the u.s and you know i most of that is probably because of the music that was being played you know, nonstop on the radio in the, in the U S at yeah. the time. I also feel like, um, that this, this, they were kind of riding on the coattails of a bunch of other, 
um, kind of psychedelic Brit pop bands mm-hmm. at the time, like the Stone Roses and the um, was it the Happy Mondays and oh yeah, I feel for like sure. there there was a lot of that like happening in the early nineties. These sort of even James to a certain degree, like they were, oh, you yeah. know, they yeah. were kind of that was all sort of building. I feel like like Supergrass was kind of late you know yeah. or they were kind of like riding on the coattails of yeah the james company. had that huge hit with laid yeah and yeah, uh right and, that, and the other one the, um what's it sit down remember that one by james i don't remember that one. Oh, that's a good one mm. you don't but I, I, I feel like i feel like i came across stone roses when i was looking up information for uh supergrass so i, I think they may there may be some connection you know, some crossover there, yeah. there somewhere yeah yeah so I, I bought a Stone Roses album not knowing anything about them. <laughs> and at the time I was really into Guns N' Roses. Oh. And, and you know, and I thought, oh, this sounds like a, a combination of Rolling Stones and Guns N' Roses. I can't wait to hear what this is. And I think I listened to it once. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I was like, what is this boring crap? <laughs> Of course i was i mean i was probably like 18 or something yeah at the time. You, you wouldn't oh, have been into it I was, probably, I was probably like 17 or 18 and i i um i heard this uh stone roses song on on this like late night radio thing and um i got the album and i went home and played it and i was like what is this boring crap <laughs> something along those lines so so uh, this uh back to chris's choice isn't that a movie chris's choice yeah oh sophie's choice the sophie's choice it's about (laughs) it's about abortion Uh, but uh supergrass is one of those bands that i've heard their name thousands of times Mm -hmm. and uh i mean uh, probably from chris at least you know one of those thousand I, i've said it in your presence more than yeah. once i'm sure like it's a band that i've always heard of but uh like when i went to listen to this album uh i barely remember all right like like i like yeah. i heard it and i'm like okay uh i recognize it it's familiar if you've seen clueless you've heard it right like that's probably what i remember it so from everybody that was a you know a teen in the 90s has heard it at least once. Yeah. So, but, but like, it's not one of those songs that like, as soon as you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, I know that song. Like, like, you know, I kind of remember it, but I remember the name Supergrass far more than I remember the song. Just imagine if they were Theodore Supergrass. <laughs> I mean, you would definitely remember it, but definitely not listen to it. <laughs> uh, I, I would have just thought it was a dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Um, I have a little bit of a history love hate sort of supergrass relationship in 1997 i was preparing to release the first thing i'd ever put out on cd and i had a song on it called in it for the money that i thought was really super clever and then i went to the record store and found the supergrass album in it for the money and i thought (laughs) they took my idea (laughs) Uh, and so i didn't buy the album because i was upset (laughs) but then i saw the pumping on the stereo video and that freaked me out and gave me nightmares (laughs) so so i didn't buy that album either (laughs) and then eventually i got the supergrasses 10 compilation and i heard all right and all these other great songs and they have a very stonesy vibe to me 
very, very much. As far as the Brit pop thing goes, there are more Stones than Beatles for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but um, I the other thing I wanted to mention about them is they recorded one of their albums locally at the Pop Machine. Yep. Um, where the Madeira, my surf band, records all our stuff, and so I was in there, and they were talking. The got brothers there were talking about working with them, and I saw their record on the wall, and I was like, oh, "That's cool." I think it might have been Diamond Hoo Ha, but I'm not positive about hmm, that. It was. I didn't know that. It was. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they recorded that here. You know, five minutes from where I live. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. So, but cool band. I really like them a lot. I've been a fan for a while. Grudgingly, some of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've always, um, I've always thought you looked a little bit like Gaz. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not like, not like I would, you know, mistake either one of you for the other. But I just, you know, I, I remember. I think I, I knew. I mean, I knew Supergrass before I knew you, but I think when I first saw you, I was like, that guy kind of looks like the guy from Supergrass. <laughs> Must have been with the frizzy hair. I should have, I probably was wearing sunglasses. <laughs> well, you, you don't have the, you don't have the, the sideburns aren't quite as extreme. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was, was the sideburns. Yeah, there you go. Everybody thinks Supergrass is about weed or something, but in fact, it's a euphemism for sideburns. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh, mate, check out the supergrass on that bloke. <laughs> you know what? Teddy Sideburns would be a pretty cool nickname. <laughs> hey, where's Teddy Sideburns? I don't know. He's, He's out there taking. Somewhere. He's out there taking care of business. He's out there smoking a bunch of supergrass. That's right. Yeah. Teddy. Teddy. Teddy Sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you lot, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Getting into some sideburns. I, I like that this can devolve <laughs> at, when we're discussing the band that I like. De-evolution? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going, right. going back to mine? Oh, full circle. Oh, de- oh yeah. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Not, e- not even on purpose. Nope. Mm-hmm. Oh. Speaking of on, not on purpose, this was an extra long episode. Yeah. Yeah, we knew it would be. Anytime you get all five of us together. Yeah. Y- yakking. We're gonna chat. So <laughs> I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap up. You guys got anything to you want to end on here? Uh, maybe make one last case for why people should go back and give these bands a chance. One sentence. Because we said so. Ooh. Mike said the vapors were killer. He also said Devo was killer he was lying he sent it to me in text so it matters killer adjacent a killer adjacent <laughs> sorry there's they're, they're killer and devo's killer in a different way uh, D- devo is killer in a better way i've always opinion. liked Devo. damn right you not enough to listen to the albums but i've always liked wow <laughs> final words patrick um i think we all had good choices i like the the range of choices um as far as fountains of wayne additional listing Listen to The Night I Can't Remember with The Girl I Can't Forget. Best song ever that no one's ever heard. <laughs> Is that the title? Song. Jesus the Night Christ. I Can't Remember with The Girl I Can't Forget. Uh, <laughs> oof. I will I will not even remember that song title. A song I won't remember because the title is too long. <laughs> That's why you have to listen to it right away. <laughs> oof. The end. All right. Closing yeah. time. Thanks, guys. It's the end of the podcast. So, Mike, turn off the Zoom. 
Hey, do you miss getting new content from Five Year Mission? You should head over to patreon.com slash fiveyearmission and check out our Patreon page. As a patron of the band, you will receive access to rare and behind-the-scenes pictures and videos and other cool stuff. You will also have early access to many things, like video releases or new songs. You can sign up for different levels, from Ensign all the way up to Admiral. One of the perks of being an Admiral on Five Year Mission's Patreon is that you get to be a producer on this podcast. Currently, our producers are Neil Carpenter, Helen Lake, Debbie Rinke, Carol Jones, Becky and Roxy, Steve and Frankie Palopoli, Madison Rachel Jones, and Jim Morehouse. Your name could be on this list if you sign up as an admiral. So head over to patreon.com slash five-year mission now. That's the number five-year mission. You know Fantest.com is your home for all things pop culture pin related by now. Back in stock, they got the Picard, Voyager, and TNG Deltas, both magnetic and pinback, as well as new releases from DC Comics, and they also just released the Mirror Universe from Discovery Deltas, both magnetic and pinbacks. And remember, every single time you spend $30 or more, you will get free shipping. You also want some more free things? How about a discount? How about 10% off your entire order when you enter the discount code TREKGEEKS? That is all caps, no spaces, TREKGEEKS, T-R-E-K-G-E-E. No, it's just two E's. K-S-T-R-E-K-G-E-E-K-S. TREKGEEKS. Put that in. Get 10% off your entire order. Man, I just rambled a whole bunch on that one and screwed up the spelling, but I'm keeping it anyway. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank Fansets for sponsoring each and every episode of Five Year Mission, the podcast. episode of five year mission the podcast if any of you are interested in listening to more of our music you can check us out on youtube or spotify or itunes or pretty much anywhere that you can listen to music just search for five year mission and we should be the first thing that comes up if you would like to contact us in regards to the podcast or anything else that you want to talk to us about you can email us at five year mission band at gmail.com and for more information about the band you can go to five year mission.net and also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter Five-Year Mission, the podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. (laughs) 